Good morning and good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of Dream Reality, a podcast series brought to you by Aiden Consulting. And this series is really where we talk to some experts within their fields and people who want to continue to ride the wave of change that we've been going through over the last 18 months or so. We've been talking to experts in a diverse and wide varied different topics. And these are really things that small business owners, medium business owners, and large organizations should really be thinking of to be the next leaders, to really take their business to the next step. We as humans are, are incredibly uncomfortable with change. We like the status quo. We like things to be comfortable and safe. But over the last 18 months, we've really embraced the change. Things we've been We've had to make changes to our lifestyle, changes to the way we school our children, changes to the way we shop in the supermarket. And now is the time to really pick up some of the topics which you might have heard about in the news or in your, in your work environment and take those and keep riding the wave, embrace the change and drive them for better and for good as we move forward into the next era. So today with me, I'm very excited to have Dawn. Dawn is an expert in diversity and inclusion. She is the director of her own business, which is Coach Inclusions, and has a previous history of working in the corporate environment. So she is incredibly knowledgeable on this topic. So Dawn, I hand over to you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to here? Absolutely, Alison. Thank you very much. So it is worth talking about my own I suppose my own upbringing, because it's so, so relevant to why I find myself in this uh, director position of coach inclusion. So I am um, a Brummie. I came from, come from Birmingham from a very, very underprivileged background. So first person to go to uni, first person, uh, both in terms of family um, and school to get to university. Um, but it was so funny because our motto as a family was keep your head down, work hard, don't rock the boat. That was basically our family motto. So with that comes an element of underconfidence, I guess, um, feeling that you're, you don't have a voice. But the other interesting thing was, um, I think it's generational, but I saw a lot of, um, a lot of prejudice around me. And it, I rejected it. I couldn't, I didn't feel comfortable with that. So I, um, I suppose I broke the mold, if you like. I have a very strong strong values around fairness and respect. So when I went off to university after pinching myself on Freshers Day, I couldn't believe I was there. Um, I had milestones in my life, whether that be my first job in London or my first, um, my first business as I've just described here, or my first um, move from IT into HR, which I did because I moved from technology into HR as part of my career. Nothing's been easy. It's all been a bit of a journey. Mm -hmm. So I decided to leave corporate after 25 years, having spent loads of years in L&D, learning development, diversity, inclusion, engagement, and set my own business up in 2019, just ahead of the pandemic. So that's an interesting one. And what I do with that is I um, connect, connect difference. I value uniqueness and I create belonging. Those are the things that are really important to me. And you can see why, given my upbringing. Mm -hmm. So I coach leaders to be inclusive. What are the qualities of being an inclusive leader? 
to create that environment, that psychological safety for people to feel that they can speak up. But I also create under, I also coach underprivileged individuals who wouldn't normally have the opportunity for coaching underrepresented groups, whether it be early talent or uh, different ethnic backgrounds to grow in confidence and have a voice. So I'm also in that way supporting people through my own experiences. So that's why I find myself where I am now and I absolutely love it. Wow, I mean, that's such a journey and you know, congratulations to you for, for not being afraid and being brave to take those steps. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very inspirational for, you know, more people coming through. And I, you know, I think something that I picked up on during, while you were talking is you mentioned values and you were quite purpose-driven with, you know, areas for helping and to bring on, and, you know, you, you help underprivileged with, with coaching. And, you know, it's really interesting that everyone that I have spoken to on this podcast series, and it is not by design in any way, has had at their core, you know, a strong sense of values. They understand what is important to them. And I think everybody so far has had a career pivot due to a purpose and very purpose driven. So it's really interesting that I can include you in that and, you know, in it, it's very bizarre that it just is, is who we've managed to get for the podcast. And I love it. It's really inspirational. It's so great to hear people out there doing the same, yeah. living their values. It's wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. So onto the topic today, which is really on diversity and inclusion or inclusion and diversity, depending on how you want to, to frame it. And I think, you know, I'll start off, you know, uh, I was, I was a female that worked in the oil industry, obviously a minority within that industry. And, you know, I was aware from a very early stage and my career was over 18 years that, you know, they were trying to, to bring more females into the leadership team. And, you know, you, we were um, an international company and they wanted to make sure that they had representation from in the leadership teams from the countries that they were working in as well but now that has that was I've been hearing that for over 18 years mm. and we still hear that today and we're in 2021 do you think that this is really a bit of lip service or are our businesses really making this change and are they serious about it or is it just a bit buzzwordy yeah, great question. I think you have to look at what's going on right now with the COVID pandemic to see why things might change. And um, my experience is that people are a lot better informed through um, the COVID experience because social media is much more front and centre. We have time to reflect, we have time to read, we have time to see what's going on. And the media are fabulous in terms of sharing stuff. Sometimes it's not always completely, completely correct or on you know, on track, but yeah. I think people now are expecting different. Um, I think employees, employers, sorry, are expecting different. Employees are expecting things to change and also um, consumers. So organizations have a responsibility. And to go back to your question, there always will be tokenism. I think there will be organizations doing that, but increasingly I'm seeing organizations taking it seriously. The biggest question for them is what do I need to do? They're not sure which bit to focus on because I mean DNI as you know is 
really complex, <laughs> so many bits to it. What do I need to do as a leader to create an inclusive environment? That's the big question. And that's where we're, we're stuck. So the next best thing is to do stuff, whether that be, you know, becoming part of a charter or, or um, putting in policies and processes, action is progression. So I, th I guess it's a journey and I think it's going to accelerate because I think organizations are starting to really understand how it hits their bottom line and what's expected in terms of social awareness. So I'm positive about it, but I think there'll always be some tokenism, particularly where people are not clear about what needs to be done. Yeah, I think that that's a, that's a great point. And, and just to take follow on from that, you know, it's, it's relatively easy to hire a diverse population. But again, you go into that tokenism kind of avenue. So do, would you have any recommendations or best practices um, on how they can, how, how businesses can recruit in a diverse way that is in a meaningful way? And then following on from that, how do you keep that diverse workforce? It's the inclusion and acceptance that is really a really hard bit. So what would be your recommendations on that? There's a couple of things around the hiring process, uh, which is very important. And that is, I mean, uh, you've probably heard of these things before around making sure that uh, we have a diverse candidates, actually looking for them, taking time to reach a wider pool um, and basically empowering your suppliers to do the same. You know, because it's always been in my experience, can you hire somebody quickly? Next week, I want to see some CVs. It's not like that when you have to go out there and look wider. And I think, um, again, the, the pandemic has forced people to work from home and it gives, it gives us a bigger, bigger net to actually fish from because you can almost have anybody from anywhere providing they've got the right skills. So I'd say um, take time, cast the net wider, but also take a, a long, hard look at what you actually really need skills-wise because a lot of people recruit for experience but this needs to shift from recruit for potential um, and skills and then you're much more likely to make the right decisions so this is not about necessarily i've got to hire so many of this type of person it's about really thinking hard about what you actually need for the future those are the things um, and then start looking at job descriptions because that follows on let's make sure the job descriptions actually do explain clearly what is needed as opposed to what the what is the sort of person that's needed um, and the experience that's needed. So <clears throat> those are the things I would say. And then to answer your second question around how do you keep inclusion going? Because there's so many people that come in, stay five minutes and leave because it's not the environment they want to work in. <clears throat> so one of the greatest pieces of advice I got when I was working in corporate from a CRO, chief risk officer, was we need to know our people. We need to track and know our people. Track progression. So they come in, what happens to them next? Where do they go? Do they get promoted? Do they change jobs? Do they move sideways? Really track them um, and find out what's happening because then you've got some data to talk about that and ensure that we're always, always really close to our people. Uh, and then the data itself speaks for itself. We've got something to rely on to say, this isn't happening, these people are going, the environment's not right for them. So those are the pieces of advice I would give around that, Alison. Yeah, and if you don't mind, if I can go back to, to the hiring part, mm -hmm. I think that you know your, your recommendation is fantastic when you're looking at maybe entry level or you know junior management, junior leadership teams. 
But when you get into senior le senior leadership and maybe board positions and things like that, it, within that realm, it's still very much um, who you know, or they recommend a person, or I have Alison in mind for a job, we'll create a job for you. And I think there's, there's a crazy statistic out there, and I might be incorrect with this, but I'll put it in the show notes, the correct one, something like 85% of senior leader positions are done through recommendations of candidates or through someone you know and not even advertised does that environment need to change or how can how can we make sure that that's still a very diverse network yeah it is a it is a challenge um, and you see it all the time and i think for me it's about creating the right behavior in terms of how people are appointed and the only way you can do that is by avoiding through policy and process avoiding some of the biased decisions that get taken as in you know recruit like me or somebody I know so it's about creating awareness at the leader level around the decisions they take and and better decisions involve less bias and how can we ensure that bias isn't happening by putting in place processes and policies that take it out yeah. of the process if you like so there's a bit about um awareness and there's a bit about process and policy operational process and policy around it to make it difficult and then monitoring and data all those things will hopefully change behavior um, over time but there's something about behavior self-awareness helps drive behavioral shift so um i would say looking at leaders looking at their development programs looking at the board level how you can educate them around that subject of bias which often creates defensiveness as well because people think i'm not biased but it's it's approaching it in a kind of we're all biased i'm biased we are you know? i know i'm laughing because it's, <laughs> it's it's so true yeah it is and it's part of your conditioning it's how you grew up it's what you what was around you so you know let's not let's not make people feel defensive let's have this bigger conversation around that um it's not gonna it's not gonna happen quickly but that's i think where we need to target it mm -hmm. No, and I, th I think, you know, you that's a really interesting thing. And I, I love how positive you are on this as well. I think that's really, it would be so easy to get, you know, worn down on this topic because it is a little bit of a battle and there's so much, so many barriers in the way that we have to get over, whether it be mindset, whether it be, you know, just yeah. acceptance and the biases that you mentioned. And just coming back, because you, you mentioned there about, you know, the processes and the policies which I think is, is a relatively easy thing for a large organization to focus on and to, to get in place. They might not get it right straight away, but they'll be able to put something in place. How, how can smaller businesses that may or may not even have an HR department, but still have you know maybe a couple of hundred employees, what can they do? Yeah, and I think their investment is different as well, isn't it? They don't have the budget always. Yeah. But it's equally important to look at those people, uh, particularly as, as you know, the population is growing younger, having more millennials in jobs. So it's equally important for, for them. But I think with, with um, D&I, you can have a big budget or a small budget. When I was in corporate, I had a very small budget. It was just me. Uh, but now it's different. So I think for them, for smaller organisations, it's about identifying how they can focus on behavior, how they can focus on how people show up. Um, that doesn't necessarily require any big investment. It requires conversation with each other 
and talking to people about their lived experience. What are you feeling when you join us? You know, what happens when you walk in the door? Are what we are preaching actually happening in reality or not? You know, so there's a lot of stuff that can be done around conversation that doesn't require large amounts of money to look at all your data and then come back with a report because that's, you know, it doesn't necessarily get you anywhere. This is yeah. more about looking at the culture. Yeah. And that that's, I think as well, you know, it, it does a lot of, a lot of this stems from the culture. And if you can get the culture yeah. right, that brings in the acceptance and it can, you know, maybe challenge some of those biases of some members of staff and they can really see the value of bringing in a very diverse workforce. Something now on to, to maybe a little bit of a, a tougher uh, topic. Well, one that I think is, is, is for me, certainly a challenge. Obviously I have quite a strong accent and um, I am from Northern Ireland and we have a lot of colloquialisms, you know, um, the way we talk, we would, we would automatically call everyone, hey guys, how, let's go to the park. Um, we're currently down in, in Ireland right now. And one of the colloquialisms here is, right lads, how are we doing? And it doesn't matter if you're male, female, non-binary or non-defined, everyone's lads. And then you have as well, you know, the, the pronouns that are becoming more and more um, advertised on you know social media so you have your name and it's she her or he him or they um how can we manage that in a sensitive way without people becoming offended by local colloquialisms that might be just you know again it's it's a it's a it's a bias i guess that you've grown up with and and it's just there within your community and they understand it but you might be inadvertently um upsetting someone um because of the language you're using but then at the same time how can you how can we not move towards a generic language where we lose all of those colloquialisms i think that's very i have no answer for this so i'd love to <laughs> hear your perspective this is one of the ones that I just tie my head in knots over yeah and I, I it's wonderful that you're so you're unique you're special you have those wonderful qualities that you just described and I think that's we need to shout about those it's really important and um I, I when I came across this kind of stuff in global organizations how do you communicate you know to to China how you can how can you communicate global ideas group group um head office ideas to yeah. to different parts of the world you know so the same challenges arose and for me it's quite simple but maybe more difficult to impl implement is around the conversation mm -hmm. open conversations where people listen to each other people that's, don't that's listen a key point there listen <laughs> people do not listen they are when they listen they are planning their next response they don't necessarily listen with eyes ears and everything and I think we have to get better at listening and, and being courageous enough to ask questions make mistakes sometimes I mean I make mistakes um, sometimes when I you know I say things but then the other person it's not well, fine you've made the effort fantastic we need to be happy to take safe risks and talk about these things and then it becomes part of our DNA it becomes normalized you know because at the moment we we skirt around issues. 
I wouldn't want people to lose their uniqueness. I think it adds immense value. When there are times when you need to be standard, because there are times when you've got a collection of people, you have the conversation, hey guys, I'm aware you're wonderfully unique and you have your own individual styles, but for the purposes of this piece of work, we have to just be, you know, kind of quite direct on this stuff. But, you know, please, please feel free to give me feedback about how you might implement that in your local region or whatever. So it's about having voice, communication, courageous conversations and listening. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? <laughs> um, okay, I'm not thinking about the next question. I'm, I'm listening to you right now. <laughs> I think, no, but I think it's, it's fabulous. It's definitely, I think, you know, that's, it's having the respect and the understanding of just having those conversations and, and acknowledging that, you know, it's not done. And I think that it's, it's as soon as we get over and realize that it's not done, it doesn't come from a bad place. It's not done to intentionally offend someone. It's just done as, this is just the way I, I talk. But then if someone saying that, do you know what, it's okay to pull someone up and pull them aside and say, hey, do you know what, I don't really like when you use this word or, you know, can we maybe use this? It doesn't yeah. really go down well in this area. And having those courageous conversations and being brave enough to make this an open conversation that's done with respect and understanding is, is I think, the only way that we can move forward with that. Yes, in a safe way. I've yeah. had experience of having to pull leaders aside and say, look, how you presented at that town hall was not appropriate it, it just created this defensiveness yeah. having the courage to do that put your head above the parapet which is the complete reverse of what i was told to do when i was younger yeah. uh, to actually stand up and be counted but in a constructive nice you know mm -hmm. way rather than an assassination way yes is really really important yeah yeah that's uh that's definitely something to go away and think about and for everyone i think it's you know for people listening is creating that awareness around these topics and you know just opening the door to understand and and just ask the questions yeah you know? ask the questions and be okay with discomfort yeah you're not growing unless you're feeling uncomfortable is my motto yeah i love that that's yeah. that's very good yeah. yeah so just a little bit aware of time so for the for the last question that i would pose to you within within this topic this podcast is called Dream Reality. And really what we were wanting to do is think about if you, what, what do you dream of the environment being like in the future? With no barriers, in an ideal situation, how do you, in your dream, what would it look like? And then, you know, the reality check, how do you think it will actually play out? Yeah. So lovely question. My dream is that inclusion and belonging don't exist as words anymore. Everybody is inclusive as part of their DNA. That's just how we as human beings interact with each other. We don't even think about it. You know, mm -hmm. it's just there. Yep. That would be wonderful. And conversations are fluid. They happen. They're open. They're challenging. They're constructive. There's no defensiveness. Everybody's cool with that that would be my ideal realistically <laughs> realistically we have a little way to go 
Um, but I, I'm quite positive that the steps that we can take to get there are realistic and achievable. Part of the reason I coach leaders is because focusing on self-awareness in a safe space is the start of that journey. So if leaders can, as part of their, the programs they go on, if we can actually introduce inclusion in a different way, so that this is all about how you show up, how people see you, what environment you, you, know, you create. That's the starting point. So attaching that to development programs, talking about, to me, this is another key point, talking about the whole life cycle of people. So, you know, better decisions when you're hiring, when you're developing, when you're promoting, when you're retaining. If we can focus on those things, so leaders come across those questions every day. If we can make it real to them, then we can start to move the dial towards a non, you know, a non, um, a world not not talking about inclusion, inclusion or not talking about belonging. That would be a first step, if you like. Definitely a lot to think about there, and I, I love your dream. That would that's that's out there. I yeah. you know to to remove those words and to, for it not to be a topic anymore is really something that would be truly special. Definitely. Dare to dream, dare to dream, Alison. is my motto you, as well. You've I got have so many mottos. Big. <laughs> got to dream big you know ship for the stars and you might land on the moon yeah yeah you know, great absolutely. point can i can i steal that one yeah go for it go for it <laughs> i think i stole it from a previous boss so go for it but just to, just to summarize i mean my main takeaways were definitely you know when you're looking at the the hiring and bringing people on into the organization no matter where they are I, th I love the point that you made about hiring for potential and making sure that you understand, you know, what is their career path and look at the data within your organization. And so that you can make that, you know, as inclusive and make sure that there are, you know, people who can inspire them. They can see that there is a career path within your organization. And it's all about, you know, conversation, the listening, part of the conversation, the respect for others and, and having that inquisitive mind, that drive to understand, because then that understanding leads, you know, how we show up as leaders, how we, you know, how we can support this and move it forward. And just being able to have those conversations, whether they're, they're tough conversations, whether they make you feel uncomfortable or whether they're just conversations over a coffee machine, just to have a chat to understand and to, you know, not to be afraid to talk about these, these things. And, you know, for me, those are, are the main takeaways yeah. uh, that you've brought, brought to us today. And it was really quite inspirational. I'm definitely even more motivated about this topic today. We'll sort it. We'll make progress. I'm convinced of it. I, I love it. I love it. Now, I did ask you to bring a few recommendations so my first ask is a book or a podcast that you would recommend or that you read regularly. Fantastic. I have one straight away, a podcast straight away that I listen to every week. It's called The Happy Place by Fern Cotton, who is a radio broadcaster. Yes. And what she does is she shares her own experiences and has a load of different um, guests like you do. Um, I think it's every week. And this, this is all about chat and made changes in the lives of others to live a, to live a more joyful life. Mm -hmm. 
absolutely fascinating. She's very articulate and she comes out with a really, really good points that you then take away. So, and it actually uplifts you, I have to say. Okay. I, I, I used to, I loved her radio shows in the past, but I didn't know she did a podcast. So I'm going to yeah, check that look. one out. <clears throat> and a song that when you need a little bit of a pickup or you're oh. just feeling a bit deflated, what's that, what's that go-to tune? Okay, so I am a singer. I'm in the choir and we do a lot of musical songs. I can't say I can sing, but I, I love it. Fab. Have you watched The Greatest Showman? The Greatest My Showman? My son has. I have not. Have a look at it because there's a lady who plays the role of the bearded woman in that. Yes. Kiala Settle, her name is. And it's called... Um, um, this is me. This song is called. That's and my son's particular... favorite song. Oh, so can I just tell you the verse that really resonates? Look yeah. out, because here I come, and I'm marching on to the beat I drum. I'm not scared to be seen. I make no apology. This is me. <gasps> Do you it know? Is... I just got chills. Yeah, goosebumps. Yeah, yeah, I really did just get chills there. Wow. Yeah, it's so powerful. It's it's inspirational. I do great things after listening to that, I have to say. I, I, I can understand that. That's that's a definitely got strong go-to song. Yeah, Look, Don, yeah. I really appreciate it. I'm very, very thankful of your time this morning. I think it's been an absolutely fantastic chat and really cannot thank you enough for how you have guided us through, given us some real nuggets of knowledge here so that we can you know, keep riding that wave of change. So wonderful to have been here and to have shared my story as well. So thank you for inviting me, Alison. No problem. It's my, the pleasure is all mine. <laughs>